Ben Kessling served as a Marine in the mid-2000s. First deployment was to Iraq, to Fallujah, and then uh, went to Afghanistan later, and then did a little more time in, in the Marine Corps after that. When Ben was serving in Iraq, there was one person in his company who was killed. His name was Walter O'Hare. Everyone called him Gator. Gator was shot by a sniper during a patrol when we were in Fallujah, Iraq. He died just before his 21st birthday. When Gator was killed, it affected the entire company insofar as it was pointing out the realities of being there, the realities of combat, and that it immediately affected someone, someone very, very close to us, you know? And that first combat death is something that, um, that you remember. After Gator was killed, he was posthumously awarded with a Purple Heart, a medal that soldiers get when they're wounded or killed in action. As for Ben, he finished his service and went on to become a journalist. He's now our colleague at the Wall Street Journal. I covered the Pentagon for a while in Washington, and so I'd walk through a House of Representatives building and see a list of the war dead, and I would always stop and and look for his name and find it and pay respects. I mean, that was sort of the the last I expected to hear or see of of him because I wasn't you know wasn't close to him or close to his family. I thought that. That was all behind me. But earlier this year, Ben got a message from another former Marine that Gator's Purple Heart and some of his other medals were up for sale on an online auction site. Gator's family didn't know how the medals got there, and they wanted them back. Something like a Purple Heart, which shows that you were wounded in conflict with the enemy. They have a special aura to them. You have shed blood for your country, and a Purple Heart is... When you see it, you know that it has so much symbolized in that metal. And when I saw that this was up for sale on an auction site, I was upset by it. The Southern Marine had written me kind of as a last, I don't know, a last ditch effort to recover these medals and said, Hey, haven't talked to you for more than a decade, but you think you could help us? And I mean, there's no other answer than, Yeah, of course, of course I'm going to help. But trying to get that Purple Heart back turned out to be a lot harder than Ben initially thought. He ended up on a months-long journey that involved a strong-willed online auctioneer, two state attorneys general, and a fateful trip to the emergency room. Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Ryan Knudsen. It's Friday, July 2nd. Coming up on the show, the quest to return one Marine's Purple Heart. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Gator, whose real name is Walter O'Hare, was from a big Irish family outside Boston. He was one of 11 kids, and he was especially close with his oldest brother, William. I called up William to ask about Gator. How did he get that nickname, Gator? Gator, he got that name because, uh, well, even from a young kid, he uh, we used to have like a playpen. He used to want to climb out of it all the time. Um, 
He didn't like to be uh, held up or restricted in any way. So he was like a little monster. Yeah, you could say that. <laughs> <laughs> he was always busy, always, always moving. William is a Navy vet, so he wasn't surprised when his little brother Gator, just out of high school in 2005, enlisted in the Marines. He always wanted to do something with the military. The Marines was not necessarily the first on his list until later in life, after I went in the Navy. So he wanted to bust my Aggies and he wanted to be a Marine just because uh-huh. the rivalry. <laughs> just to one-up you. Yeah, he was the type of kid that um, we liked the Patriots, so he liked the 49ers. Uh-huh. <laughs> he, he, he didn't like to go with the flow. He was difficult at times. Gator was a rifleman in Iraq. In May 2007, when he was out on patrol one day in Fallujah, he took up something called the guardian angel position. That meant that he was posted up on a rooftop, watching over other Marines who were patrolling on the ground below. Gator was on that roof when a sniper shot him about two inches below the back of his helmet. He was one of 901 U.S. soldiers killed in Iraq that year. After he died, a group of Marines traveled to suburban Massachusetts to tell Gator's family. I was listed as next to Ken. And they would come looking for me at my door, and I wasn't home, I was working. So they uh, went to the next person, which was my mother, and I was notified by my neighbors that there was a couple of Marines looking for me. And so I got to my mother's down in Rockland, where she lived, uh, before they could get there. And then they notified us like anybody else. We're going to get to inform you, you know what I mean? So it was upsetting. Do you remember when you received his Purple Heart? It was pretty much uh, shortly thereafter, um, because we were waiting for... uh, his return of his body. And uh, because I was listed in Next Kid, they came and presented it to me. And what did it mean to you to have that Purple Heart? Um, to be honest, <laughs> somebody gave a shit. It was, uh, it was proud of it, but also saddened by the fact that it had happened. It's the best way to explain Gator's mom kept the Purple Heart until her own death in 2016. But after she died, William and his siblings lost track of it. They don't know exactly how the medals were lost, but they're pretty sure that a storage unit that held some of their mom's stuff after she died went unpaid and got repossessed and sold off. And then, one day, the medals showed up online. Well, that was very upsetting. I I was upset at the fact that it was up for sale. I didn't think it should... Be sold. I didn't think it should have had any monetary value. I just, it was a symbol of my brother's sacrifice that he had given for his country. It's, it's, it's got sentimental value to me and my family, and I didn't understand how or why it got there, but I didn't want it there. I didn't want somebody else to have it. And this is where our colleague Ben came into the story. I've never understood the attraction of buying and selling military memorabilia, especially military memorabilia of this kind, personal awards, things that are so intimately connected to a single service member and their pain and loss and suffering and valor. And as a Marine who served with O'Hare, I had this obligation to 
try to work to get his medals back. And so I said, I'm just going to find out where this stuff is, who's got it, and how we can get it back. Gator's family and friends had thought about just trying to win the auction, but it felt too risky. The medal, at this point, was listed for a few hundred dollars, but whenever one of them placed a bid, they'd quickly get outbid by somebody else. And, you know, I talked to a collector who looks through things from the Iraq and Afghanistan war and said, finding a Purple Heart that was awarded posthumously for a combat death from the Iraq and Afghanistan wars is nearly impossible. So this was a rare collector's bauble, and who knows how high the price would have gone. So why risk it? So not only could it have gotten really expensive, but there's also just a chance that you could have lost the auction in the end. Yeah, who knows, right? Like, anybody who's done an online auction knows that, like, at the last minute you can get outbid and there's nothing you can do about it. There's just too many, too many uncertainties. I also knew that the story of Gator, his sacrifice, and the backstory to all this, I thought, if I just talk to the person who's got this, there has to be some, some nobility here. We can get this back by just telling the story. So that's what Ben tried to do. He reached out to the person who runs the auction site where the Purple Heart was listed. So the auctioneer is a guy named Bill Panagopoulos. And Bill runs an online auction house, and he does all sorts of military memorabilia. I am uh, Bill Panagopoulos. I'm the owner of Alexander Historical Auctions uh, in Chesapeake City, Maryland. We are auctioneers of historic letters, documents, and manuscripts. I called him up this week. Hey, Bill, how's it going? Good, good. Am I going to be on camera for this interview, or is this... Um... No, this will be all audio. Okay, good. Then I can get as slovenly and smoke my cigar and do whatever I want. You can smoke your cigars, you can do whatever it is that you like. Wonderful. <laughs> for somebody who's never heard of the military auction business, or this world that you operate in, how would you describe it? Well, people who collect militaria are like people who collect stamps, calling cards. It becomes an obsession, and it's worldwide. I mean, I'm selling to people in China. I'm selling to people in Australia, England, France, all over the world, South America. This weekend, I just came back from a big Civil War show in Gettysburg, packed with people buying Civil War stuff. Civil War buttons, Civil War badges, Civil War paper, Civil War photographs. What's the craziest thing that you've ever sold at auction? Hitler's toilet seat from his summer house in Germany. <laughs> Hitler's toilet seat? How much did you sell that for? About $20,000. Huh. Interesting. Why do you think military memorabilia means so much to people? The bravery, the guts. Here these guys go out on the front line. Okay, look at the, 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 the poor guys who died in, in Iraq, in Korea, in Vietnam, in World War II. They're heroes. Plain guys who became heroes. Who could you look up to who gave a greater sacrifice. So why not honor them by collecting them? I mean, it's a lot more honorable than collecting Pokemon cards. Okay? <laughs> the glory of war. Mm -hmm. You know? Gator's medals had ended up with a consigner. And when that person asked to list them on Bill's auction site, Bill was surprised. I'd never received anything quite that recent. First-generation medals. Meaning medals from guys who are killed since the Korean War, you don't see them. You don't see them because they don't come on the market because the families are holding them, okay? They're passing them down. That's why this one was such a surprise. Who on earth would sell something from someone who's been gone such a short time? 
But of course, the family didn't sell them. They lost them. So Ben got Bill on the phone and asked if he would give the medals back. I got a hold of him, told him the story, and he said, you know what, that's righteous, and we're going to get the stuff back and send it to the family, no problem, point it off the auction block. He said he wanted to get it back for the family. And I said, well, fine, I'll, I'll take it out of the sale. That simply? Yeah, absolutely. And then he started going off on talking about how he's going to do it as a mitzvah, which, uh, you know, mitzvah is this great deed. My wife is Jewish, and I always love that expression. So, yeah, it's a good deed. Not necessarily to curry cosmic favor or something, but, you know, it doesn't hurt. You know, maybe I'll gain a few points with the Almighty. Being an auctioneer, we auctioneers need all the points with the Almighty they can get. <laughs> so, uh, so um, yeah, I said I'll do that. Bill didn't actually own the medals. Remember, he was just the middleman, listing them on his auction site. So as part of the mitzvah, he told Ben that he would buy the medals from the consigner. He wouldn't say exactly how much he planned to pay, only that it was more than $1,000. And Ben says, Bill asked for just one thing in return. Bill said, what I would really like is just a Marine Corps flag signed by his buddies that are still around so I can put it on my wall and look up and remember all this. I said, all right, we can do that. To sweeten the deal, Ben also reached out to the general at the time who signed Gator's Purple Heart Certificate, former Defense Secretary Jim Mattis. And Mattis agreed to write Bill a personal thank you note. At that point, did you think that this was all over and finished? Well, I did. And before we got the flag together, before we got the letter from Jim Mattis, before I got any of this stuff to send to Bill Pentagopoulos, we got a wrinkle in the solution here. The wrinkle in the solution, that's after the break. Courage. I learned it from my adoptive mom. Hold my hand. You hold my hand. Learn about adopting a team from foster care at AdoptUSKids.org. You can't imagine the reward. Brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. While Ben was orchestrating the return of the medals with the auctioneer, Bill Panagopoulos, what he didn't know was that there was also another group of people trying to stop the medals from being auctioned. Unbeknownst to me... While I was trying to do all this, there were machinations behind the scenes of attorneys general from two different states who had heard about this through a veterans organization and started making inquiries. The local veterans group had also heard about Gator's medals, and they contacted the AG's offices to try and intervene. And as Bill was getting ready to ship off the medals and everything to send back to me, he got a letter from his state attorney general asking about the propriety of the sale and whether or not things were obtained legally. And when you get a letter from the attorney general, you got to respond to it. And so it sort of put the brakes on the whole process at this point because now Bill Panagopoulos had to deal with official legal inquiries. I've got to hire an attorney to respond to the attorney general. At the same time, I'm battling cancer, I'm getting treatments, I'm hospitalized, all kinds of personal problems. So I went off, you know, I really blew up. Bill picked up the phone and gave me a call and left me a voicemail and then sent me some messages that said 
to the effect, hey, I've got the attorney general talking to me now, and I've got a $450 an hour legal fees that I got to deal with, and we're going to put a pause on sending these things back. And then finally he said, look, if push comes to shove, I'm just going to tell the consigner he can take them, do what he wants with them. He can, he can sell them, burn them, or throw them in the Long Island Sound. You know, just as if I had my gift thrown in the back of my face. So, of course, I got a little pissed off. No good deed goes unpunished. But you know what? I'm just going to sit on it a little longer to see how this all pans out because I want some explanations. Ah, it was just so dispiriting, so disheartening to hear that this plan that had seemed like it was coming together was now suddenly unraveling and that Gator's legacy was getting lost in all of this. And I just hated to see everything fall apart like this and the possibility that these things would be lost again. It seemed like everything was falling apart. So Ben wrote to Bill one last time. And I say, Bill, this isn't about you. It's not about me. It's not about Gator's family. It's about Walter O'Hare, who gave his life for his country in Iraq. So I sent him off that note, and then nothing, and I waited. A few days went by, and then Bill got back in touch. He'd just had a harrowing visit to the emergency room. I spent 22 hours straight in an emergency room with no food and no water. Oh, I'm sorry. Waiting for a, a simple MRI, which turned in the end turned out to be nothing. But I said, you know what? I went through going through my emails because there's not a lot to do in an emergency ward for 22 hours. Mm-hmm. I said, you know what? Here's another headache I don't need to deal with. Maybe it's bad karma. <laughs> okay? I'm not very superstitious, but maybe a little bit. So I wrote to Ben. I said, you know what? I'm just going to send it to you. And you do with it what you want, okay? And maybe maybe some good will come of it. And uh, sent it off to Ben. After Bill sent the medals, Ben had to ask one more thing. I said, Bill, I've got one question left with all this, which is, do you think you earned the mitzvah? And Bill told me, I think I get about a 70% mitzvah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's where things end up with Bill Panagopoulos. A few days later, there was a package on Ben's front porch. So on a Saturday morning, a brown box arrives at the house, a brown cardboard box, and I open it up, and it's been packed with extraordinary care, almost like loving care. And the presentation box had Gator's Purple Heart in it, and it also had all the other medals that he had earned during his time in the Marine Corps. And amongst the other medals, it was Iraq Service Medal that showed he deployed, his rank insignia was was in the box on display, and uh, and a couple Eagle Globe and Anchor, which is the Marine Corps logo. Ben decided to hand deliver the medals to Gator's family, so he flew to Boston and then rented a car to drive out to the suburbs. I asked Gator's brother William about how that day went for him. I finished up work, came home. Um, ben pulls up, and of course I see him coming down the street, and it, it was definitely a rental car because it had. Uh, New York plates on it. And I'm like, yeah, no, this has got to be him. <laughs> so he pulls up, he gets out, introduced himself. We shook hands and they're putting his trunk. He's got them all wrapped in bubble wrap and I uh, neatly packed away so that they were nice. Did you get emotional? Uh, no, as far as emotional, no, I don't. <laughs> to be honest, as my daughter would put it, I'm pretty emotionally closed <laughs> off, so I don't cry very much. I do have the feelings, but you you wouldn't uh-huh. be able to read them off my face. 
But the feelings are there, and I was overjoyed and excited and very relieved. It was like a piece was missing. I didn't know it was missing until I knew it was missing, but it was missing. Where is the medal now? Oh, the Purple Heart is currently sitting in the... I have a shelf above my walkway between the kitchen and the living room. It's sitting beside little trinkets that I have from him, like a a little gator, uh, a picture of when he was a baby, and a picture of when he was serving. And what do you think when you see it now in your house? Uh, Proud of it. Brings some joy, brings some sadness. Uh, More sadness around his birthday and date of death and more joy out of, hey, I'm proud of him. And some of the joy is that I know uh, some of the men he served with, or at that time I would have called them boys, were able to come home because of his sacrifice. He was technically standing overwatch, and because of him, they all still made it home safely. So for me, makes me proud of it and sad at the same time. That's all for today, Friday, July 2nd. And a quick note before we go, we're off all next week for the July 4th holiday. We'll be back Monday, July 12th. But the good news is, this gives you a great opportunity to listen to something else we made, our five-part series called To the Moon. It's about GameStop and how a group of Reddit traders took on Wall Street and saw their investments skyrocket. You can find it in our show feed or at gimlet.media slash to the moon. That's gimlet.media slash to the moon. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Kate Leinbaugh and me, Ryan Knudsen. The show is produced by Catherine Brewer, Pia Gadkari, Martin Kessler, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Ricky Nevetsky, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Willa Rubin, Matthew Sherman, Annie Rostrasser, and John White. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Matthew Boll. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Katherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact-checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you next Monday, July 12th.